Well, good morning. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. And while you're doing that, i got a couple of prefaces for you. One, if you picked up one of these little handouts, I did this quickly the other day. If you'll notice under the communication, I have Judges 22. And there's not quite 22 chapters in Judges. So that's a miscommunication right there, a perfect example. So I could have said I did that on purpose to see how many would notice, but I didn't. (laughs) It was a true mistake. That means put Joshua 22. Just scratch the judges and put Joshua 22. That's a good passage on how lack of communication can lead to war or almost lead to war. And I'm I'm not going to read that to you. That's something for you to go and and look up on your own. But, But there was almost a war because of just a lack of communication. Uh, but I want to go to uh, the uh, message today. I want to give a preface to the message today. Um, I'm teaching the uh, um, communi- biblical communication and conflict management class this semester on Thursday mornings. My class is here. This is part of the class is to be in chapel this morning and listen to what I say. But uh, it, it's, it's part of the class. And, you know, communication and conflict is important. You know, it's, it's very important. But I want to make this preface. To make You know, you can write this down if you want to. I want to be very clear. I'm not preaching from this passage because of any past, present, or future conflict that I have either been involved in, mediated, or heard about. Okay? I just want you to know that. I'm not talking about anyone here. I'm not talking about any church I've been a member of. I'm not talking about anything I've heard about, any rumors, gossip, things like that. I'm not addressing that. I'm addressing what the Bible has to say in this passage about uh, honest communication and, and clear, you know, how, how to get along, basically, is what, what it is. So no one should, should conclude that I'm preaching about you, okay? Just, I, <laughs> and I'll, I'll make another point here a little bit later that, that even though I've said that, Someone may conclude I'm talking about them, but I, there's nothing I can do about that. Um, that this, you know, everyone, I felt the need to share this, not just with my class, but with the, the, uh, everyone here in chapel, <clears throat> because everyone here has had, is having, or will have conflict. You know, if you're living your life, there's conflict. I mean, it's, it just happens. I mean, I'm not, it's, it's not always something that's tremendously bad there's just disagreements there's confusion miscommunications all you know it just happens doesn't it i mean if anyone here can raise your hand that you've never been in a conflict i want to meet you (laughs) because it happens there is conflict you know just because we're human beings because of sin you know started back back in the in uh, genesis chapter three so that's the beginning of conflict between us and god you know, and that, that's why Jesus had to come and, and die. And like we read in, in chapter 2, he, he's, he's our mediator. He, he gets, gets that reconciliation, gets us back with God. And, and he wasn't the offended party. I mean, he wasn't the offending party. You know, we, we, you know, Adam offended him. Yet he's the one that reached out to us first. So there's a lesson there as well. Okay, let me get, get back to uh, the passage. Uh, let's look at chapter 4, and we know that just a way of a reminder that Philippians is one of Paul's letters written from prison. He 
he established the church at Philippi. Uh, I think it was his second missionary journey. Remember when the he had the vision of the man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And, and they sailed over there. And one of the first stops, or probably was the first stop, was Philippi. And remember they met Lydia and some women down by the river. And then the encounter with the Philippian jailer. And so, anyway, that's, that's the church he's talking about. The church had always supported Paul. Uh, in, this, uh, in the book, it talks about how they had sent Epaphroditus. This is in chapter 2, further down, verse 25. Had sent Epaphroditus to, to help him while he was in prison. And uh, he became sick. And anyway, part of the, he sent Epaphroditus back to them with this letter. And so uh, he, he was writing to the Philippians, the church there, to encourage them, to support them, and possibly uh, even, you know, do, do, do what we're going to read here in, in chapter 4 to, to help out with a situation of conflict. So let's look at chapter 4. Uh, start at verse 1 and read through verse 3 to begin with. It says, Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, Beloved, verse 2, I implore Iodia and I implore Syntyche. Those of you, you know, Greek is not, uh, I haven't practiced it in a while, but I think that's the way you pronounce those. To be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Okay, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. Thank you for what, for what we can learn from it. I just pray that you will help us to, uh, to, uh, to focus on this passage as it relates to, to conflict and disagreements and, and uh, how, how they, they can be resolved. And we just ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So just these two verses here, I think we can learn a lot about conflict. Uh, first of all, on your checklist, you know, the one that was in error, it, it talks about communication. You know, if you're in a conflict or if you're trying to mediate or be a peacemaker in a conflict situation, you can check these off, you know, kind of go down this list and see if, if all of these are correct or clear, I guess would be. So you need clear communication is, is the first point there. Um, there's a, uh, let's see, where is it? Here it is. There is a researcher in, I think, think Norway that has come up with uh, uh, Wio's Law, W-I-I-O is his name, and he's come up with these laws of communication. These are kind of funny ways to express actual things that he's learned in studying communication. So listen to some of these and see see if you agree with this. Number one is, first law is, communication usually fails except by accident. (laughs) Communication usually fails except by accident. In explanation, if communication can fail, it will. If communication can fail, it will. Number two, if communication cannot fail, it still usually fails. (laughs) And if communication seems to succeed in the intended way, there's a misunderstanding. <laughs> All right, number two. And I think you'll, you'll see this one quite well. 
if a message can be interpreted in several ways, it will be interpreted in a manner that maximizes the damage. So if it can be communicated in more than, or can be interpreted in more than one way, it's going to be interpreted in the worst damage possible. And then the, the third one here, this, this is, remember my preface that, you know, where I said I wasn't talking about anybody here. Well, here it says, if there, or there is always someone who knows better than you what you meant with your message. There's always somebody that, or at least they think they know better than you what you meant with your message. And there's several others. I'm not going to read all of them, but the fact is that communication, accurate communication is hard. It can be done, but it does take intentional work. You need to be intentional about it, and you need to be clear with what you're trying to say. In uh, this passage here, uh, verse 2, it says, uh, I implore Yodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. So, was Paul clear? Who's he talking about? He's talking about these two ladies that apparently didn't have the same mind. You know, some, something was, was, some disagreement was going on. Um, we know a little bit about them based on the next verse. Uh, we know that they were believers. It talks about the names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We know that they were, uh, uh, that Paul considered them fellow workers. Uh, we know that, you know, so we, we know just a little bit about them. And they were, you know, they were possibly, remember I, I mentioned in Acts 16, where, you know, Paul uh, met with the women gathered by the river, where they you know, had Bible studies, and Lydia was the one mentioned, but these could have been a couple of other women there. We just really don't know for sure their background, but we do know that, that they were, they were uh, fellow workers in the church, um, and we know that apparently everyone in the church knew who they were, and probably everybody in the church knew what the situation was. You know, uh, We don't know exactly what it was. We don't know the cause of the conflict. And for some reason, I think we can logically conclude that the problem was not some kind of false teaching or error in doctrine or even moral or spiritual failure. I think we can conclude that because we know that that Paul was not shy about naming names in his other letters. Remember in Galatians chapter 2, he talks about Peter and how Peter was kind of hypocritical when when the Jews came and he stopped eating with the Gentiles. And and so he, he, he mentions him. And we know in 1 Timothy 1, he mentions people who have... He called it like he had shipwrecked their faith and he'd given them over to Satan not to blaspheme and he named their names, Hymenius and Alexander. And then in 2 Timothy 4, we all know Demas loved the present world that he had forsaken Paul. So, so Paul's not shy about mentioning what actual error or problem sin is if it's need be. So I think we can conclude that this was not necessarily... A, a biblical uh, sin or false teaching or failure. So we can assume that it was probably personal opinion or desire or something like that. The book we use for the, the uh, uh, conflict class is The Peacemaking Pastor by Alfred, I guess it's Poirier. Uh, his definition of a conflict is a difference in opinion or purpose that frustrates someone's goals or desires. 
That, that's a conflict. It goes on and says, that is, conflict results when my desires, expectations, fears, or wants collide with your desires, expectations, fears, or wants. So it's not necessarily sinful. It's not necessarily a big deal every time. But it, that, that's, that's a conflict. When, when it's, um, I looked up some, uh, did a little research on this. Tom Rayner. He, he does research and things like that. He, he posted, I think this was on his blog back in 2015, 25 silly things that church members fight over. It's kind of, it's kind of some of them are funny. Um, one of them is there was an argument over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess so. And, and Rainer, he makes his comment here that, he thinks it should be uh, no more than 1.5 inches longer than the pastor's beard. But that's just his opinion. Uh, there was <laughs> there was a uh, church argument and vote to decide if a clock in the worship center should be removed. There was a fight over which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer. <laughs> uh, there was a petition to have all church staff clean shaven. Wow. Dispute over whether the worship leader should have shoes on during service. <laughs> Dr. Holmes, do you think a worship leader should have his shoes on during the service? I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then two different churches reported fights over the type of coffee. In one church, they moved from Folgers to a stronger Starbucks Starbucks blend. In the other church, they simply moved to a stronger blend, and members left the church in that latter example. Uh, let's see. Then there's some that are even sillier. An argument on whether the church should allow deviled eggs at a church meal. Uh, disagreement over the term potluck instead of pot blessing. <laughs> and I like this one. Some church members left the church because one church member hid the vacuum cleaner from them. <laughs> okay, I don't know. I don't, don't think that, that Yodia and Syntyche had that silly of an argument. We don't know what it was. It could have been that silly. It could, 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 but, but we do know that it was affecting the church, or Paul wouldn't have mentioned it. It was affecting the unity of the church, the fellowship of the church. People possibly started taking sides. You know, that's, that's why, you know, he talked a lot about unity in, in chapter 2. And further down in this chapter, we'll read in a minute. So uh, Paul thought it was serious enough to implore them to be of the same mind. So let, let's go on. Um, okay, that's communication. Then emotion is, is, you know, conflict usually always involves emotion, right? I mean, it, it usually does. Um, notice how Paul begins his plea here with them. He says, I implore... Yodia, and then he says, he doesn't say, I implore Yodia and Syntyche, but he goes on and says, and I implore Syntyche. He mentions them both, implores them both. Uh, I looked up, the, the word implore is, is parakleo. And, you know, we know that's, that's used as, as a, a comforter or helper. Uh, here the best usage is to beg, entreat, or beseech. I, I think Paul was, was kind of, it's not really emotional, but it's not really... He doesn't say, I, I uh, instruct. He doesn't say, I command. But he's imploring. He's, he's saying, you know, I, 
I think about you. I, you know, I care about you. I implore that you be of the same mind. And, you know, just up in verse one, notice uh, he used the term beloved twice. You know, he talks about, therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and my crown. So stand fast in the Lord beloved. So he loves the church. He loves the people in the church. And he he's, uh, you know, he he's wanting them to not be too emotional. <laughs> he's he's uh, appealing. <clears throat> he's not really taking sides. He's appealing to them as as fellow workers. And he wanted I think he wanted them to take this as a personal appeal from someone they respected. And he wanted the best for them. So I think it's kind of a, a heartfelt type of thing, heartfelt type of plea there that that he's given. Um, we'll come back to emotion in just a minute. Let's go to the next one, your thoughts. So whenever you're in conflict, check your emotions. Make sure they're not out of control. Now, I think that's clear. I don't have to go into a lot of detail on that. But, you know, just, just check yourself. Make sure they're under control of your thoughts. Back to that verse, <clears throat> too, where he says, I implore Yodia, I implore Syntyche, be of the same mind in the Lord. Be of the same mind. Um, what does it mean to be of the same mind? You know, here, here, I think it means direct your mind to agreement. You know, be, you agree. That's, that's what he's saying. Be of the same mind. Um, there's another place where it talks about mind in uh, chapter 2, where he talks about the mind of Christ. Remember, we read some of that, uh, chapter 2, um, verse, uh, well, let's start at verse 3. I think that you can see how this, in the context, this applies maybe to what he's saying here to these ladies. Uh, verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own, his own interest, but also for the interest of others. So that you see how that applies directly to what we read in, in 4. And then he goes on in verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. And there, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So to have the mind of Christ, it's, you know, let's talk about his, his humility and his, his willingness to, to be that that mediator between God and us. And so uh, to, to be of the same mind, I think he's really talking about you need to agree, you know, because you're Christians, because, you know, Christ, you know, because of what Christ has done. You need to be an example, and you need to consider yourself lower <laughs> than the other. So, you know, I, I think it's the context there is pretty clear. Um, so just... In in the book The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy, he talks about how to agree. Uh, one way is um, let me see. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. Six of these here. I'll just read them quickly. 
you can overlook the offense. Is it worth it? I mean, is it you know something that is is a biblical error, or is it hurting someone? Is it hurting your relationship? Uh, is it hurting the testimony of the church? Some things, you know, if you can answer yes, then that's probably too significant to overlook. But if none of those are going on, just overlook it. Just you know, that's not worth fighting over. That's not you know, that's not worth you know worth getting mad. That's not worth you know causing a a, a row in the church and having people take sides and then people outside the church looking on the church and saying those people aren't any different than us out here, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, if you can, overlook it. But if it's too important, some things are. Um, one is, uh, next one is reconciliation. That's where they agree. They get together and agree. So so either Iodia would agree with Syntyche, Syntyche agree with uh, Iodia, or they would agree to disagree, come to some mutual understanding, make concessions, whatever they need to do. If they can't reconcile it between themselves, uh, let's see, that's reconciliation. Ne- negotiation is next. That's, that's, that's really where you come to compromise or concession. You know, if you can't agree, then, okay, where do we compromise? How do we, uh, where do I need to concede? If that doesn't work, then there's mediation. That's where a third party assists in the negotiation. And then after that, if you can't go that far, then there's arbitration where both parties agree on a third party to make a decision. So that's where everybody, you know, they present their, their case, and then they have agreed that whatever this person says, that's the way that we're going to go. And then there's accountability. That's where the church, uh, the pastor, uh, church uh leadership or even sometimes the church body could get involved in arbitration or even church discipline which we this sermon's not about church discipline so and i think paul was uh, asking in verse three he says i urge you also true companion uh we're not sure exactly who that is i looked up several commentaries i'm not sure dr helwig may know exactly who this is but who is his true companion that he's talking about here? It, some think it's, it could have been a Epaphroditus who is delivering the letter. Um, some think it could be an unnamed church leader there. And some think it could even be a proper name that had been translated as true companion. The word Zygigos. Zy, no, and so it could have been some, somebody at the church, a leader named Zygigos. That's, that's what some think. I, I really don't know, but he's talking to somebody to, who knows who he's talking to. We, we may not be sure, but, but somebody in the church membership there to help these women. So I think he's encouraging that person to either be the mediator, negotiator, I mean, yeah, me, uh, neg- uh, arbitrator. That's a mediator or arbitrator in this situation. Um, And the word help, that was, it's a word that means to assist, to, to uh, take hold together. You know, kind of, kind, of, kind of the idea of putting your arm around someone and say, okay, let me help you out here. You know, that, that kind of thing. All right, let's move now. We've talked a little, and again, I, there's a lot more we could talk, talk about and discuss. Uh, but let's get to the spiritual. We've, we've checked check communication, check your emotion, check 
your thoughts, how you're thinking, make sure all of these are correct. And then check, your, you know, how, how, is, uh, how is all this spiritually uh, affecting you spiritually? Or how does God help out in this? We need to keep our communication, emotions, thinking under spiritual control. If we look down to uh, the rest of this chapter, I'm going to read verses 4 through 10. Um, notice that Paul mentions uh, standing or mentions being in the Lord. You know, in his in his plea in verse two, he says, "Be of the same mind in the Lord." And he mentions in the Lord several times just in this this one uh, uh, chapter here. And so I, I think I think that's significant. We should think about how what we're doing in conflict. Make sure that we are in the Lord. And let's see if we can figure out what what that means. Um, verse uh, four says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's kind of that's the key verse of the, the whole book, isn't it? It talks about rejoicing in the Lord. And it follows this, this little uh, segment here on a conflict. I think we see the context here. It's, it could still be talking about this conflict and how it's been influencing the church. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. You see how that passage directly relates to a conflict? And how we need to be under control of God in any conflict? Um, verse uh, 5 let your gentleness be known to all men. Don't have an angry attitude. Yeah, be gentle. That's, that's, you know, that's what he's saying. Um, be generous with forgiveness. You know, God, God was generous with forgiveness. You know, refer you back to, to chapter 2. That we need to be as generous as God was. Uh, generous as God was with us. We need to be that generous to others. So... Uh, let your gentleness, gentleness be, be known to all. In verse 6, this is a favorite verse of a lot of people. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. You know, uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So don't, yeah, don't, don't worry about a conflict. Peace of God is mentioned in verse 7. It's also mentioned in the God of peace is mentioned in verse 9. So uh, we need to let the God of peace be with us. And we won't be, again, the conflict is everywhere, but we will at least deal with it correctly and, and biblically.
Um, I think what it means to be in the Lord, one thing, you're in a right relationship with God through saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you're walking in submission to the Holy Spirit of God. Then you view conflict through the lens of Scripture and you live by faith and not by feelings. So these two women here, if they were in the Lord, they had all these things in common with each other. And that's what, that's what he's saying you need to focus on. That's what you need to think about. And, and in that, you can be at least on the way to conflict, conflict resolution. So in conclusion, take out your checklist. If you're in conflict or called upon to conduct some kind of conflict resolution, one, check and make sure communication is correct. Make sure you know exactly what's going on. Make sure there's no misunderstandings, no misquotings. No, you know, just know what you know, just know what it is. You know, you, you make sure communication is clear. Number two, make sure your emotions are not in control. You know, many places in Scripture tell us that we are to be in control of our emotions. So make sure your emotions are not in control. You can recognize them, recognize you have emotions, how that's affecting you, but don't let it control you. Number three is check and make sure your thinking is clear and correct. So again, be, be rational, be reasonable. And then check and make sure that those thoughts are spiritually discerned. Uh, you're acting in accordance with the Holy Spirit. You're acting in accordance with God's Word. And seek a resolution that will glorify God. And so I think that's, again, just from this one passage, there's many, many things that you can study about conflict resolution in the Bible, and I recommend that everybody do that because, like I said, that, that everybody here has been, will be, or is in conflict. Okay. All right, well, let's stand and have prayer. Be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for your word and, and thank you for, for your teachings, of course, about Christ, about, about his, how, how he did, did the work of reconciliation, and we just praise you for that. Praise you that he is our mediator and, and that, that through, only through him can we have a relationship with you. I pray that we can, can uh, always keep that in mind as, as we live our lives, as we uh, minister, as we uh, just simply have relationships with others. Help us to, to, to not be in conflict. Help us to resolve conflict easily when it does arise because we do want to give you the glory. And, and we do pray that, that the God of peace is with us. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.